table is where life happens. It's where imagination runs wild. Where lessons are learned. And wonders are built. The table is where time can stop. Where wounds are comforted. And freedom begins. It's where we find peace. And we laugh till it hurts. The table is where we gather with family, new and old, to share stories, to nourish our bodies, to enrich our souls. The table is where we give thanks and where we remember what great gifts we have been given. So there we are. Thanks, guys. Uh, good morning, Christchurch. Good to be with you this morning. I hope you had a fantastic Thanksgiving. How many of you are still eating leftovers? Fair number. Okay, all right. So a lot of you guys are eating leftovers. Your table looked like that table on the screen, where it's just like loaded with food and all sorts of good stuff. I know we have family worship, so we got a bunch of kids in, in, in the house this morning and here. And so, kids, what was your favorite part of the Thanksgiving meal? Do you have a favorite food? Kids? Mashed potatoes, turkey, stuffing, I heard that one. Cranberries, I used to smother everything in cranberries. Just take the whole bowl and just dump it over the top of whatever's on my plate, right? So I'll be at a marvelous time gathering, though, with your family. Uh, ice cream, was that part of your Thanksgiving meal? I gotta have Thanksgiving at your house. That's different. Um, so, uh, though, I, I, I genuinely hope you had a great time gathering with your, with your family and with your friendships as you gathered around your table at your own home. A place to truly be grateful, to be thankful, uh, to counter blessings, to have that attitude and that spirit of gratitude where we recognize all the things that we've been given. There's so many great things that God has poured into our lives. And Thanksgiving really gives us a chance uh, as family, as friends, as a community, as a church body, as a nation to step back and express our gratitude, to say thank you. Thank you for the so many different things that we have been blessed with and are fortunate with. Now, that said, follow-up question, how many of you already have your Christmas trees up? All right, all right. How many of you have already switched over your musical station to the holiday station? How many of you have just, just kept it on all year long? 
Don't raise your hand. Some of you do that, right? Yeah, true confessions. Uh, so, you know, you want to come back today. We are going to be looking at just specifically Thanksgiving. But next week, we're going to be in that holiday mood. The holiday mood is upon us. And so next week, we kick off with a new sermon series, The Dark Side of Christmas. We're going to be looking at, at, at picking in how, you know, the light enters into the darkness and how light in the person of Jesus Christ stepped into our world of darkness and the Christmas story, the incarnation, what that looks like. We're going to be starting that up, kicking that off next week with Pastor Bob. But today, we did want to pause and truly give thanks, to give thanks to God for what he's given us. As we gather with our church family now, just as we gather in our homes with our family, now we gather as a church family. And we even do so around a table, which we'll talk about. So, you know, if, if I were to ask you, you know, when, when did Thanksgiving start? Does anyone remember what year they started Thanksgiving? Anyone know? Come on, there's a whole bunch of trivia on before the service. No, you all come after the second song anyway, so maybe that's what it is. <laughs> Sorry, that come out? No, so it's like 1600. Someone Googled it already. It's like 16, okay, whatever it is, I'm going to argue that it actually started much earlier. I'm going to argue this morning that actually Thanksgiving is something not necessarily started by the pilgrims, but was started much, 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 much longer before that. But I would argue that it was started by God's people. I would argue that it is started by God's people. Because if you go back into the Bible, uh, we're big around the Bi- about the Bible around here. If you go back into the very beginning part of the Bible, if you go back into kind of that first part uh, in the Old Testament, in the book of Genesis, and you start reading there, you're going to actually see a story very early on where two, uh, two brothers get together and share a meal. And in that meal, they actually give thanks. They make a thank offering to God. It's a thanksgiving meal. The brothers' names were Cain and Abel. You guys ever heard of those? guys before, Cain and Abel. Uh, They had some really significant family problems that came out of that experience and experiences to follow, uh, which also fits with Thanksgiving, right? Because we, for whatever reason, when it comes to Thanksgiving, uh, we we invite those estranged relatives back into our homes and we don't talk about politics. And it's supposed to be this chance to heal the relationship, right? Well, that's kind of what's going on in the beginning with Cain and Abel is that, you know, whatever scuffles or disagreements that they've had, they get together and they have a Thanksgiving meal together. And as part of that Thanksgiving meal, they invite God. They actually say, God, come and be a part. God is going to be the guest at their Thanksgiving meal. And God gets to enjoy uh, the, the bounty and the fruit and enjoy the table. He gets to partake of what Cain and Abel have prepared for him. And so they offer him this this grain, one guy brings like grain and fruits and vegetables, very harvest-based, and the other guy brings a sheep, meat, uh, things of that nature. And so they bring together and they have a Thanksgiving meal. And the intent of that Thanksgiving meal begins in a really good place. To say, God, thank you. Thank you for what you have provided. Thank you for what you have given to us. And that's where that Thanksgiving meal and that heart of gratitude really begins for those of us within the the body of Christ, the Christian tradition, and the Jewish tradition as well. We would kind of claim that is that moment of first true gratitude, a Thanksgiving meal, uh, really began all the way back there in, in the beginning. But what's sad about that is that actually the brokenness that is recognized coming out of that meal continued on. So, so it's fair to say that our world has brokenness, the world has problems, we've got issues, we have challenges and struggles to this very day. And that's true within the context of the Bible as well. You see, what started as kind of the Thanksgiving meal where God came and was a guest and they expressed gratitude for what he had given them, uh, eventually evolved into something very, very different. 
What happened is what began with Thanksgiving, eventually people started to institutionalize this meal. They started to ritualize this experience. Uh, More than simply tradition, there was a very specific framework in which people were to express uh, gratitude to God and and this meal for God. And, And it got so ritualized, so specific, that eventually it evolved into something called a sacrificial system. It's a big fancy way of saying that God's people over time Time, moved from being thankful and grateful and having a meal to ritualistically and structurally inviting God and saying, God, we're going to give to you. You get to be our guest, and we're going to give you this meal. And as that happened, there was a significant shift in the way that people saw and understood God. There was a total change in the way that we treat and understand God. We moved from thanksgiving to almost obligatory, sacrificial, uh, broken relationship stuff going on. It looks like this. It comes out of Leviticus. This is one example. Uh, It's a couple different examples in the Bible, but here's one example of what this thanksgiving meal eventually turned into. This is the ritual of the guilt offering. All right, so we moved from thanksgiving to already this notion of guilt broken relationship. Now, there's still an offering taking place. God is coming as guest. It is most holy. At the spot where the burnt offering is slaughtered, they shall slaughter the guilt offering, and its blood shall be dashed against all the sides of the altar. Hopefully, your Thanksgiving meal does not look quite like this anymore. Things have changed. All of its fats shall be offered, the broad tail, the fat that covers the entrails, the two kidneys with the fat that's on the loins, the appendage of the liver which shall be removed uh, with the kidneys. It's kind of like the, the giblets on the inside of the turkey, okay? All the good stuff, all those little pieces, you shall turn them into smoke on the altar as an offering by fire to the Lord. It's a guilt offering. And so what we begin to see happened is we moved from, with Cain and Abel originally, kind of this gr- moment of gratitude to now a ritualized, very specific, very structured moment where you're trying to reconcile a broken relationship. It's kind of like having that weird, estranged uncle over at Thanksgiving who you don't really want to invite over, but you feel obligated to, and then he shows up and he eats more than he's supposed to, and he eats the good stuff. That's kind of what's going on here. That's the vibe. That's the feel. It's kind of this obligatory action of saying, okay, we'll let this intermittent God show up on occasion, and when God comes, we'll give him what he wants and then send him on his way. You see, there's been a shift and a change from gratitude and thanksgiving of God's provision to seeing that God is really the guest who comes occasionally Whenever we have these partes, these sin-offering experiences, he shows up, and all he's really interested in is not relationship with us, but he just wants the good stuff, and then he's going to go. He's going to leave. He's going to boogie out of town. He becomes this intermittent, uh, occasional guest who simply takes, shows up, takes off of your table, and leaves. And that began to be ingrained in the psyche of humanity. That we see God, even to this very day, so often we see and understand God as someone or something, as this big floating ooze out there who takes from us. 
that we in our lives play host, and God is the guest who shows up in my life and then takes things from me. He takes my money. He takes my time. He takes my energy. He takes away my fun with all his ridiculous rules. And if I'm perfectly honest, I often blame God for taking things of even greater value like people. How often do we blame God for taking things, opportunities, and even people out of our lives? You see, we move from seeing God as a giver to God as a taker. Someone who takes the things we value for himself. And you know what's worse? We as Christians, rather than speaking out about this, rather than trying to fight this, it happens. It's even in our own grave. We, we sometimes facilitate it. We say really, really trite and horrible. And uh, you're, We're all well-meaning. Please don't get, get me wrong in this. We're well-meaning if you've said this before. But please don't say this anymore. When someone passes away, don't say God needed another angel in heaven. That's trite. It doesn't help. God just really loved their smile so much that he wanted to take that person for himself. All that does is reinforce this idea that God is this cosmic entity who shows up in our life only at times to take stuff from us. And it's so pervasive in our culture that for so many people, they live their entire life thinking that this is the way God is. That he shows up intermittently and simply takes the good stuff off the table. The things that you are enjoying and relishing, he just snatches it for himself. While in reality, this could not be farther from the truth. This is moving away from a thanksgiving meal to an angry, bittered interaction with a God whom we not only don't love, but believe doesn't love us. Thank goodness God does love us so much, he chose to come into this world and set the record straight to bring us back to a place of gratitude and thanksgiving, to bring us back to a place of seeing him as one who gives and provides. He did that by giving his own son, Jesus. So Jesus shows up and says, y'all got this way wrong. <laughs> this, this whole sacrificial stuff, the way this whole system's set up, the way this is, this is all nasty, not good. Uh, this is not who God really is. If you want to get a picture of God... If you want to understand who God is and who he is in relation to you, Jesus says, let me tell you a story. And so that's exactly what he does. He tells them a parable, a story. He gives them a word picture. And in this word picture, he tries to convey what God is really like and bring us back to a place of seeing and understanding the Thanksgiving meal as it was originally intended. And so in two different Gospels, he tells a very specific story. He says, the kingdom of heaven, God's kingdom, God's reign, God's sovereignty, God is like this. He is like a rich and wealthy king 
who in his generosity, in his kindness and love for his people, throws a lavish banquet. I mean, we're talking all out. The table is long and it is full of good things to eat. I mean, this is, this is a beautiful feast. Your favorite food is there. Your favorite people are there. This is, this is what heaven is like, man. It's like Thanksgiving meal as it was intended, where this king generously provides in radical generosity and abundance over the top. I mean, it's like, uh, how, many, how many of you kids out there know Harry Potter? Remember that scene where they're all in, like, the, the um, big hall, and all of a sudden the food just, like, appears? It's, like, crazy. And it's, like, as much food as you could possibly imagine or ever want, right? I mean, it's that kind of an idea of all of your friends, all of your family, those that you love and cherish, gather together around God's table. And at this table, God is laying out for you a feast. A feast like you've never seen before. That is a picture of what God and heaven is like. What's perhaps even more incredible at this is that when he gets into the story, he says, now originally when the king laid out this feast and he threw this big party, at first nobody comes. Nobody shows up. Everybody stands them up. And so then the king says, oh my gosh, I have this incredible feast prepared. I have all of this abundance. I've, I've poured myself and my resources into this banquet and nobody's here. Go out, servants, and gather those who are among the poor, the hurting, the marginalized, those who don't have it together. Go find and invite those who are broken and hurting and bring those who are hungry for what heaven has to offer. Bring them to my table because they have a seat at my table. And so he sends the servants out and they gather up the people. They gather up the poor, the hurting, the marginalized, the broken, people who are messed up, and they come to that table. And at that table they are welcome. And they begin to experience family in a whole new way. They begin to experience joy and satisfaction in a whole new way. They are provided for in a radical, abundant way. And that's how he ends the parable. And in doing so, in doing so, Jesus does the incredible. He flips on its head all of our preconceived notions and understanding of God. There is a radical role reversal. God goes from being the God who takes from us back to that original heart of gratitude and thanksgiving from his people and seeing God as the one who gives to us. God gives. He gives to his people the provision that they need, the grace and compassion that we are so desperate for. He gives strength when when our strength is fading. He gives hope when it seems like there is no hope. When you come and feast at God's table in his abundance and in his grace and compassion, 
he pours out not only tangibles like actual provision, but even intangibles like compassion and love and self-confidence and the intangibles of hope and dreams. God gives to his people. He doesn't take. He has set out a table before you and actually invites you. He wants you to come and partake at his Thanksgiving family table. There's a passage in in the first part of the Bible that tries to point this out in some really beautiful language. It comes out of the book of Isaiah. It says like this. In Jerusalem, the Lord of heaven's armies, that is God, will spread a wonderful feast for all the people of the world. Jerusalem is considered the holy city and it has a large role to play in the heaven to our understanding of heaven, and specifically as Christians uh, in a big way. Jerusalem continues to be very important. And so he's saying, look, in Jerusalem, in heaven, in that future kingdom, God will not take, but will actually spread out that wonderful feast for all the people of the world. It will be a delicious banquet with clear, well-aged wine and choice meat. There, he will remove the cloud of gloom, the shadow of death that hangs over the earth. He will swallow up death forever. He's going to offer you life and hope and a future. And in turn, he will himself take off the table, eat death. He swallows death In doing so, the sovereign Lord will wipe away all tears. He will remove forever all insults and mockery against his land and his people. The Lord has spoken this, and in that day the people will proclaim, This is our God. We trusted in him, and he saved us. This is the Lord in whom we have trusted. This is the God that we have always known to be. Let us rejoice in the salvation that he brings. You see, God has promised you a seat at his thanksgiving heavenly table. He has promised to extend to you salvation and hope and forgiveness and life as he himself eats death. And he was so adamant about communicating this, getting this into our heads, getting this into our reality, not getting lost in these sacrificial things and these weird systems and bad thinking, but to say true to who God truly is, he went so far as to institute, ritualize a new meal. He's like, y'all need a ritual? Y'all need a system? Fine, I'll give you a system, but this system is going to be one of my own making that has a new twist, a new emphasis, a new reality to it. It continues to be the Thanksgiving meal that I always intended. Where hurting and broken people come to receive my goodness as I give it to them. 
we as Christians call this communion. Thanksgiving for us as Christians, it doesn't come once a year. Uh uh-uh, uh, uh uh. Thanksgiving doesn't come once a year when we gather with family and turkey thing. Like culturally, yes. But for us as Christians, our Thanksgiving meal, where we gather with family, church family, and there is a place at the table for each one of us, that happens every single Sunday. Every time God's people gather together and worship him and study his scriptures and get to know Jesus more fully and invite him to be present, where God shows up, God lays out that table. He is preparing us for heaven by breaking into your reality now. Every time you come to this table, you are coming to the heavenly table. This is God's table where he is host and Lord over this meal. Where Jesus Christ himself, when he was in flesh, gathered with his disciples and said, this is my body, this is my blood, this is the feast that I have prepared for you, and I will be the sacrifice that is needed. I will swallow up death in and of myself through the cross so that you might enjoy the feast of my labor. You might enjoy the provision that I have made for you. You might enjoy life and salvation that I give to you. So when we have communion, when we come to this table as, as, as Christ's church, this is a moment for us where heaven meets our reality. This is a foretaste of the feast to come where God is made present and he says to you, I invite you to eat at my table, to eat that wonderful feast I have prepared, a feast of grace and love and forgiveness. He even invites us to celebrate it until the day he returns. It says it like this in the New Testament. For This is the Apostle Paul speaking. I have received from the Lord what I also handed on to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed, he took a loaf of bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body that is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup also after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant shed in my blood. Do this as often as you drink of it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. In this meal, at this table, we celebrate Thanksgiving because we come forward broken and hurting and receive a full helping of God's love and return to our chairs thankful.